Welcome to the Well-Bred Rapids Message of the Week. We hope you are encouraged, strengthened, and experience the presence of God through this message by Max Johnson. Morning. Thank you. Have a seat. Something going on with the uh, internet. Let link it to my phone. Um, <laughs> that was wild. I am. Um, I, I feel like I'm on the lasso, trying to get pulled back in right now. I lost it through worship, and then. I don't know if you guys heard Pastor Matthew share, but Rachel's back, and Rachel got up to sing, and I lost it again. It's way cooler than that. I don't. So good. And apparently we're all around the world. So I'm a little, I wasn't as intimidated. Now I feel a little bit more intimidated. Hola, bonjour. Como estas? <laughs> and all my office people said amen. All right, this isn't working. Um, man, I am supposed to announce a golf video before I forget. That is the wrong image. We're going to start with that. I'll point that out. And then... Uh, why don't we play the golf uh, video from yesterday? super excited for today. The weather has cleared up. Um, it's going to be fun and hopefully I don't lose too many balls but it's going to be a really fun time with everybody and uh, just a great day to hang out. Just came to crush some balls. Yeah, just came out here. It's a nice uh, sunny Saturday morning. Just planning on Hitting some balls and walking around, walking around. Hopefully they go straight. Yeah. So great. Even in this 90 degree weather, man, heat hasn't stopped me making. I can only make putts outside of 30 feet, so it seems great. is for C to help stop sex trafficking. Um, they actually work with uh, government officials um, throughout Grand Rapids. One of the things that they've done is um, for uh, liquor stores, there you go, they have to be all lit up in the front, they can't be dark, and they can't have posters all over the windows. The other thing that they were uh, a part of accomplishing and passing was massage parlors cannot have a side or a rear entrance. They have to have front entrances and also be lit up. Yeah, we had a great day. I uh, played the best game that I've ever played, which was always more fun and enjoyable. With just lots of laughs and would encourage everybody that wants to come out next year. It's a lot of fun to spend time together and to see a different side of everybody. Hey. That was a very cool video. Where's Dan? Is Dan in here? Dan's in the back. Dan videoed all morning and then he golfed the last nine with us and made that video last night. So, thank you, Dan. Thank you for putting uh, my worst shot recorded on video right at the opener. I actually did play the guest's best game I've ever played in my life, except for that shot. Um, oh, good, we got lots of time. Eventually, we're going to get to 1 Samuel, which is what I'm opening, 15. I was... Um, I was thinking about honor through worship. And uh, <clears throat> Hebrews 6 says, Now is the time for us to progress beyond the basic message of Christ and advance into perfection, 
The foundation has already been laid for us to build upon, turning away from our dead works to embrace faith in God, teaching about different baptisms, impartation by the laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So with God's enablement, we will move on to deeper truths. One of the basic foundations of the Christian faith is impartation, according to whoever wrote Hebrews. And uh, Paul, in the book of Romans, he says that I, he's writing to a group of believers. He says, I long to come to you that I may impart a spiritual gift to you. And it's, it's th that sentence is written in a letter filled with theology and teaching about new creation, about the identity of the church and who she is in the earth, about repentance from dead works, about how we're saved, the difference and the unity between Jew and Gentile. It's got all this beautiful... Um, like scholarly education written into the letter, but he starts it with, I long to physically come to you that I may actually impart a spiritual gift to you. Because there's a reality in the kingdom of heaven that you can't get everything that God intends to give you through intellect. I would argue you can't get most of what God wants to give you through intellect. This is not a philosophy that we're adhering to. This isn't a kindergarten, first grade, second grade, you learn the right things, and that gets you to heaven someday. It's, this is a relationship. The entire gospel is built on a relationship, not an education. And Paul wants to come because there's a reality that spiritual authority actually carries gifts and graces that they can release to other believers through the laying on of hands. You can also see it through a spoken word in the life of Jesus. When he tells his disciples, go heal the sick, raise the dead, it never says he lays hands on them. It says he tells them, go do this stuff. And there's a release of authority that comes through obedience to authority. Like you actually get more authority by obeying authority. And Apostle Kathy, I could totally leave everything that I was going to talk about. Because this is foundational for who we are. Honor, love, and humility. Honor is, it is a backbone. It is your core. It is, if you don't have honor, best of luck to you. <laughs> you're probably going to make it to heaven because Jesus is amazing. But you're going to walk limped and crooked your whole life in God. I mean that in love. I don't know if you guys are all like, whoo. Uh, so she, she got up and she said, I want, to, you know, I want to give an impartation. And what I felt was half the room go, and not that you were thinking this, the, the question mark, I don't know how to receive that. And what honor requires us to understand is that there are actually people that carry things you don't have on purpose. God did not give you everything you need. God actually hides things that you need in other people. Giftings, anointings, breakthroughs. I mean, we know this in the natural. Like, we can, we can think this way in the natural. Like, there are people that are just naturally gifted at music that you can learn from. So you pay a music teacher, like, teach me how to sing, because when I do it, it doesn't sound like you. It's the same in the Spirit. Except in the Spirit, Jesus said, freely you've received, freely give. There isn't cost associated with the gospel. But the problem of thinking, you know, Jesus told the story, when you, when you sit at a table, don't take a seat that's more highly honored than, than where you should. I, I, don't, I didn't have any of this prepared, so I'm, just stick with me. It's in the Bible, if you don't know me or trust me yet. Don't sit somewhere higher than you should, lest someone that's more distinguished than you come, and you would get asked to leave your seat and move down the table. Instead, take the low seat and wait for the host of the dinner to invite you up higher. This is a parable that Jesus tells about what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like... A table where not everybody's equal. You're all loved the same. 
Jesus said, no greater love has this than a man would lay down his life for his friends. So there's no greater love that God can offer you than that he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins, for your sins, for my sins. There's no greater love. There isn't another love coming. There isn't a better love. There isn't a bigger revelation of love. There, it, it, there, it's not going to happen. That is what love is. That is the greatest love in God's opinion. So he loves you all the same, but he honors you all different. Some of us are at the top of the table. Some of us are at the bottom of the table. Thank God we're all at the table, right? And wisdom actually allows, in humility, it actually allows me to understand that I am not the biggest person in the room. I actually need something that you carry. I, I need something you carry. And so humility allows us to receive when an apostle gets up here and says, I want to release an impartation. Humility actually is like the cup that you give God that he puts that blessing in. If you don't carry honor, if you think you're all the same, if you think everybody's equal, if you think you don't need what other people carry, if you think because you're in charge, because you're the boss, because you have a position or a title or you're some minister, I, I am your pastor so-and-so, that's great. I honor whatever you are in God, I honor it. But that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean you don't need things. I feel like I should probably take a different week for this because it's, it's, it's huge in the gospel. It's like Western Reformed Christianity doesn't know how to teach this because you're all sinners saved by grace. And sometimes you're a pastor, which means like you're a little bit more spiritual than other people in Western Michigan, right? You know, nobody says that from a pulpit, but that is what the culture in our area has communicated, is we're all jacked up, broken, screwed up, God's a little disappointed, he loves you. And I went to theology school. I went to seminary. And that qualifies me to be something in God because someone somewhere else who went to the same place that learned the same things got the same piece of paper and they tell me that I have a piece of paper and now I can talk to you about the Bible. That's the, that's the best version of that heresy. The worst version is you can go online I could go online and get ordained like three or four times while I'm talking to you right now. I don't have to know anybody. I don't have to actually be relationally connected to the body of Christ, knit together as every joint supplies is what the Bible teaches. I can just be me and Jesus, doing me and Jesus. And call myself prophet and pastor and... destroy a lot of lives with rebellion, with arrogance, with an unyielded heart that just doesn't trust anybody. And you don't know it, but the seeds that you carry are the seeds that you plant. And you can have great revelation and a great gift and, and a great ministry call. I actually believe a lot of those people that have those things, they probably are called. They're just unwilling to yield to real authority. In the name of, well, it's me and Jesus. And my Bible says, and yeah, but your Bible says something different to you than it said 20 years ago. And if it doesn't, you're the problem. If we're not growing and being transformed into his image, I'm not talking about doctrinal stuff. Jesus is the son of God. He was blameless. He was raised from the dead. All that stuff, that, that's foundational. That stays. But you know what I'm saying? Our understanding of who he is and what he's like grows and changes. I don't think I'm being hard. It's, it's weighty on my heart. It's got to change. It's all over our region. Unsubmitted ministers going around.
teaching about different baptisms, impartation by the laying on of hands. You can actually get something from someone else that you don't have to work for. That's the hope-filled side. I am sorry. If I'm rebuking, I'm not sorry I'm rebuking you. If I'm talking to you, I love you. Jesus loves you. He wants to set you free. He puts the lonely in families. You are never called to walk alone. Apparently, we're talking to people all around the world now. I got to, like, remember there's nations and stuff. Like, prophet so-and-so from wherever you are, if you're not relationally connected. (laughs) And when you get connected, which looks like a death journey, Oh, it sucks, doesn't it? (laughs) Kingdom come. You got to die. More than a quote in a Bible verse, you actually die when you start getting knit together. It's real easy to say the die verse, you know, he who clings to his life will lose it. But if you give up your life for Jesus' sake and do whatever you feel like doing, You'll find it. <laughs> it's going to get worse. I know what I'm planning to preach. It's harder than this. If you'll let yourself get connected, if you'll actually choose to trust, and what that has looked like for me, what I've seen it look like for other people that I'm running with is You actually submit your life and trust someone else more than you trust you in certain areas or in all areas. Now, it doesn't mean they become your God. It doesn't mean, you know, they start teaching you things that are anti-biblical. You follow them because honor, which is that stuff I've been accused of, of, you know, teaching people to just be an idiot and, uh, I think you have a brain, so, (laughs) you know, that wasn't at you. That was at a couple other conversations I've had over the years that I'm still working through, apparently. (laughs) Don't take that one personally. I'm not telling you follow stupid. I'm telling you trust somebody. When you're deceived, you don't know it. That's why it's called deceived. When you're doing the best you can and this area of your life keeps blowing up, it's because you're doing the best you can. And you've been asking Jesus for help the whole time. Nothing's changing. Nothing's growing. Same thing, right? Somebody say amen. I know that's you. What you need is to get yoked to Jesus. And if you're yoked to Jesus, he will put you into family. He'll actually give you relationships that will work that thing out for you. And it'll hurt really bad. It'll feel like people are cutting you. It'll feel like people are destroying everything that you thought was true. Because they are. It'll feel like people are removing parts of you that you think are your personality, how God designed you, what you're called to. It'll feel like you are getting ripped apart. Not all the time, but sometimes. And those moments, the tearing, the removing, the pruning, Jesus said, he actually rewards fruitfulness with pruning. It actually feels like part of you is dying. Because it's supposed to. So you get connected, you get joined, you start trusting somebody, and what happens is their grace, the thing that Jesus gave them for free, becomes yours. And you don't have to learn it. You don't have to go to seminary. I'm not anti-seminary. I'm not anti-education. It's all beautiful if God calls you to it. Go for it. But you can actually get stuff for free through this. Think of your biggest problem right now. There's so much grace in the room. Think of your biggest problem. The thing that you can't fix. The cycle. You keep seeing it. It's in every relationship. It's in every business venture. It's in when you wake up in the morning, the thing that's tormenting you. God's here to tell you, this is your solution. (laughs) No, I'm talking about laying out of hands. I'm talking about impartation, like trust somebody. 
I believe by the Spirit, God is actually going to start highlighting while I'm talking. He'll highlight to you who, who your people are. They're not out there in the ethereal, like, somewhere world. They're human beings, real people, flesh and blood. They're screwed up. They're not perfect. And they have your battery pack in the Spirit that you need. All right. So let's move on from the foundations, the basics of Christianity. Impartation from the laying on of hands. Let's carry honor in our hearts that says, I actually have need of what you carry. I'm not an island. I'm connected and joined. Some of you need to start recognizing you're that for somebody else. Like you actually have what your neighbor needs. All they need you to do is this. What if you thought of your life as, I am actually so full of grace, and it's God's grace. It's the kind that, like, when I give it away, it, I don't have less. When I multiply it to the world around me, Jesus actually considers it faithfulness with what I've been given, and he says, more will be added to me. I'm a fountain that is constantly looking. You and I were fountains of life, Jesus says, a river of life. We're constantly looking for things to water all the time. If you're walking with the Spirit, He always wants to bring increase. Wake up in the morning looking for something to water. And it's that, oh, I just, I don't, it's that simple. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I, I feel it, the grace, it's there. Just reach out, give somebody what you have. All right. We've been talking about send gospel and, you know, get your eyes off of you. It's, it's, it's about... I'm going to speed up a little bit and go into a dream I had. I had, a, um, I had a dream this week, and I woke up from my... So all week, I have had, like, a really hard time connecting with the Lord. He lives inside of me, so it's not like I'm not walking with him. I'm just not aware of it. It's liberating to find out you're, he's never not there. You forget sometimes, you don't feel it, but he's always there. And so I, I would put worship music on, and I would find my mind just gone, you know, like 15 seconds into the song. I'd be thinking about a million, not, not like normal, like very distracted, very distracted. I would go, this is not right. I would turn the worship music off. I would put my Bible app on while I'm driving. Same thing. I'd like come to three or four chapters later, have no idea what I had listened to. And I'm like, the whole reason I put this on is to be with God. And apparently I'm not doing that. <laughs> so five or six days of that. And then I had this dream. And in my dream, there were three witches chanting over me, doing their... You know, witchcraft is very real. Wow, okay. <clears throat> most, of the, most of the stuff that Christians think about when you think about witchcraft is like a Ouija board, dream catchers, something in Africa somewhere with a little wooden figure, you know. Um, those, they're called fetishes is what they are. And it's, it's an ability to take a physical object, submit it to the spirit world, and it, what happens is spiritual energy and spiritual power is actually endued in physical matter. And then they use these things to do very real things. Gemstones is the American version of it right now, the New Age movement, gems, your spirit animal. You guys all heard this kind of conversation? It's about focusing on something, you, you use your intellect, you submit it to the spirit world. I, I read three or four websites about it last night because I'm just curious and I want to know that I'm not lying to you guys. They use a lot of the language we use. You might think it's Christian if you read it. They don't say Jesus Christ. But they tap into angels and, you know, they get into fairies and stuff like that, but it's all about not centering yourself, but intentionally yielding who you are or yielding physical matter to the spirit world. 
you then use these things to get blessings is how Americans use it. That's the American version of witchcraft is we get blessed, we get you know the happy life, we get um, all the things we want, the American dream. I'm gonna just tell you what I heard yesterday. The Lord told me, your kingdom come, your will be done has the leaven of the American dream all over it right now. And uh, you need to know about this stuff because I actually thought about you guys last night, um, that book somebody gave, Abigail or Macy. It was like a kid's book. Some fan, somebody gave them uh, like a children's book, innocent-looking children's book that you would think. They opened it up, they read, and I think they started having weird dreams every night. A man would visit their room every night. So they prayed and asked Holy Spirit to show them and, and saw the book, and they threw it in the front yard and left it out there to rot in the sun and the sprinklers for a few days because that's what, that's what you do with witchcraft. Now, it was broke that night. The man quit visiting the kids' rooms. So what that is, is that is someone who is enduing a physical object with spiritual energy. It's very real, and it affects the world around you. You need to know this because you guys might have stuff. Some, I, I think a lot of Christians do this stuff on accident. Pay attention to what you let in your home, what you let in your car, if you're not, I'm not saying life should be perfect and you don't ever have any problems, but I'm saying I had a week where my normal connection with the Lord was not there. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it's an attack. I got witches, which gets me very encouraged, to be fully honest with you. If you're in the room or online, um, I keep it coming. <laughs> it's not going to turn out well for you. You need to repent. Jesus is king. We win every single time. <clears throat> David Hogan had a grandson, no, a son, who was um, getting ripped apart in his front yard. He would get physical handprints. He's a missionary in Mexico. He would get handprints, and you would see red, like, claws, hands pulling his skin off his body, and his son's just screaming, shrieking in pain. So he went on a fast and asked the Lord to show him what it was. And uh, the Lord said, it's a witch across the street after like days of fasting. So he stands up, goes to his window, looks across the street, and it's his neighbor standing across the street chanting. And he gave him an invitation, repent or what you're doing to my kids is coming on you. It broke that night and they saw salvations break out in their region immediately after. You under, I, there's no insecurity. I'm not nervous. Witchcraft doesn't scare me at all. It's real, but it's not frightening. Just ask the Holy Spirit if there's things that are screwing up your sleep or messing with your kids. Ask the Holy Spirit and he'll show you. So I'm going to read this um, story and then I think this will help connect with where Where the Lord's going. Samuel, this is 1 Samuel 15. Samuel is a prophet. He says to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him in the way when he went up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but kill both man and women, infant and nursing, child ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, go depart, get down from among the Amalek. I'm going to skip down because for time. Verse 8, he also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, oxen, fatlings, lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they, that they utterly destroyed. Now the Lord, word of the Lord came to Samuel the prophet, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. 
and it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself. And he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them back from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. But Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak on. So Samuel said, When you were little in your own eyes, you were, not head, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said this, Does the Lord have great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as he does in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. It goes on in this interaction between Saul and Samuel where Saul says, Hey, please come back with me and honor me in the sight of Israel. To which Samuel says, No, I'm not going to go back with you. And Saul begs him again, Please come back. Like, his greatest concern isn't that he didn't obey God. His greatest concern is the the opinion of the people. I don't want to come back without the prophet. I don't want to come back and look like God's not with me anymore. I don't want to actually be with God. I don't actually want to be with God. I just want it to look like I'm with God for the people's sake. And God says, isn't rebellion the sin of, as the sin of witchcraft? This is what I've been thinking about. I had a conversation with my dad. I sat in my truck and cried with my dad for 45 minutes. I was so thankful listening to him talk about his relationship with Jesus and how he, is, he has grown and is growing in his walk with God and how God meets him in his shop. He gets up between 4 and 5 in the morning most mornings and uh, says he goes out into a shop and builds stuff and just sits with God. And most of the time, he says he's overwhelmed with gratitude because of the mercy of God on his life. This is my language. He has different words because he doesn't go to a Pentecostal church, but... It's the same thing. He's overwhelmed by the mercy of God in his life. And I sat in the truck and just repented. <clears throat> um, when I'm around my dad over the last 10 years of my walk with God, I really had it in my heart. I wanted him to know that God is dad. God's a father. God's good. God loves you. God forgives you. He's here. He's present. He does miracles. He heals bodies. He's amazing. And so I share all these testimonies because I have dozens of them of things that I've seen God do that only God can do. One of them, we were married for a year and, or a couple years, and we didn't have any money. And we, we wrote down a list of here's all the things that we would buy if we ever have money. And it was like golf clubs and sewing machine and there was like five or eight things that we wrote down because we didn't have any money and then Jake Walzak and I went up and moved some stuff for his dad and then we went to my dad's house and helped him move a couch we walk into my dad's house and my dad walks me into his garage and says hey what do you what do you want and I said what do you mean he said take whatever you want 
and I pointed at all of his power tools because that was like the most expensive thing in the garage. And I said, I go, like those? He goes, no, not those. Those are mine. But any, <laughs> anything else that you want. And then he starts going around his house pointing at random objects to him. It was everything that was on our list and only what we wrote on our list. I should have. So I have these, I have lots of these testimonies and I share them. I just, I just told my dad that. I didn't, I didn't realize I'd never told him that story. And he was honest and open enough with me to say in kind words and in love, he said, you know, sometimes I feel like you and I are different religions. Like you relate to God like a genie. And I sat back and I thought, I just got real quiet. Because honor is something that I do carry. And I'm smart enough to know God wants to give me things that will help me. Sometimes it's through very unexpected and very, I'm very unprepared. I was not ready for this conversation. We've never, he and I have never connected on this level before. And I said, I hear you saying that you think, I think God's a genie. And he kind of sat back. He was nervous to, you know, be honest with me. And he goes, yeah, kind of, a little bit. And it got me thinking about the other story I told him was last week, I stood at my kitchen window and looked at my lawn, and it has brown glass, grass clippings all over it, because I don't, I just mow and then put my stuff away, and then the, the stuff you cut dies, so it's brown. Well, I thought, I want one of those lawnmowers with the bag that catches it, so you don't leave brown everywhere. Four hours later, my dad texts me and says, do you want a lawnmower? I know. Now, I can tell you these stories, and you could hear God's a genie. That's not at all what I think. What I am shocked by and in awe by in my time with God is you're so close, you hear daydreams. You hear crap I don't even pray about. I don't care about a lawnmower. I could care less. I thought it, I probably would never go buy a lawnmower. That's how little I care about my yard. If I was allowed to... From my wife, I would let it be wildflowers because I don't want to do anything. <laughs> but God hears it. And so when I share these testimonies, what I'm trying to share is, look, God is a perfect father who is so invested in your life, he hears your daydreams. That's how good he is. That's how close he is. But you might hear he's your genie. And I've been thinking about This kingdom come prayer, Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean when you pray that? What do you mean when you say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Because I'm concerned, I feel a concern in my spirit that somehow not somehow, a leaven has been allowed to grow and to stay in our lives, that your kingdom come, your will be done, means I'm going to be blessed, I'm going to be healed, my life's going to be easy, I should know what I'm doing. Like some of you have no idea what you're doing, where you're called to, what you're supposed to be doing. Is any of that in the room? You don't know what you're doing? Look around. Keep your hand up for a second. Your kingdom come, your will be done means I should know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Or does it? How many of you are sick in your body? My hand's up. I'm not making it easier for you. Your kingdom come means you shouldn't have any physical problems. Now, I, don't, I love Bethel. I love who Bill Johnson is and I love what he communicates. Your kingdom come, your will be done means on earth as it is in heaven. If it's not in heaven, it shouldn't be here. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm on board. I feel like that's a setting, a, a, a diamond that doesn't have a setting of gold to go into in some of our lives. And when you don't have the proper setting for this, you're going to get offended at God 
You're going to get frustrated because your life's not perfect. You don't know what you're doing. You're sick. You don't have the money that you need. And the fruit of that offense towards God is you're going to start praying stuff. I'm going to read these. And they were very convicting to me last night. Because I asked God, what does witchcraft sound like? <laughs> God, give me strength to do all the things you haven't asked me to do. God, I need more money. Now, none of us say this. I know you don't pray this. But if you feel pierced, amen. God, I need more money so I can live however I feel instead of disciplined and faithful to what you've called me to. God, take care of my family while I go do the important stuff you want me to do. God, show them how they're wrong and judge them like I do. God, let all the gifts you've given me be seen by people that are important. God, do the stuff that you asked me to do so that I don't have to do it. You know, we pray stuff like, God, show them your glory. Show them your power. Show them how amazing you are. But he said to his church, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, and cleanse lepers. I think it's John 3 says that when he turned the water into wine, this was the first miracle Jesus did revealing his glory. Miracle power reveals the glory of God. And it's what he called you and I to do. Cover the earth in the glory of the Lord. is It's our job to partner with him and do that with him. It's not something he's going to do without you and I. God, take away, this, is, this one was good. God, take away every opportunity for me to choose things other than you because if I'm given a choice, I want other things more than you. God, people need to hear of your love. Send other people because I'm really busy taking care of myself. And we use this stuff like, ask anything in my name, and it will be given to you. Soulish prayer is one of the forms of witchcraft. It's Saul who, he didn't heed what, God, he didn't do what God said to do. He did what he thought his best idea was. Now, I, you may be convinced he thought they were going to keep the sheep to actually sacrifice them. If Saul's anything like me, if I don't sacrifice what God says to sacrifice it, when he says to sacrifice it, it's because I'm going to keep it for me. It's not because I'm going to sacrifice it later. And so Saul has his best idea put onto the word of the Lord. And God calls it witchcraft. And so we pray this stuff and then we say, in Jesus' name thinking you can ask anything in my name and it will be given to you. But his name is Redeemer. His name is Healer, Restorer, Comforter, Friend. His name is not Controller, Sugar Daddy, Need Meter, Prover that I'm right, Fixer, the Forcer of Righteousness, or the Remover of the Second Tree. What I think God wants to invite us into, and everybody online, is back into a surrendered life. Is there ministry time? I felt it. I felt it before. I don't know whoever somebody can play or... There's this song I was listening to it to in my brain in the shower. Um, what was it? I surrender, I surrender all. I'm not expecting you to play that song, but I've been Googling it for 45 minutes. I can't, I don't know what song it is. So if anybody can help me with that. It's not as easy as you think. I've been Googling a lot. It's... 
I'm pretty sure it's a live song. Anyway. What I think God wants to invite us into this morning is a surrender where you let go of all the control. You let go of all the manipulation, all of your best ideas put on what you think the gospel is and what you're called to. And surrender, it's what I heard in worship, it's what we were sharing, we trust you. If that's you, if anything that, that God is, is communicating this morning, if that's you, I would invite you to stand up and come to the front. preparing for this, what I felt in my heart was that none of us intended to do this. None of us wanted to try to manipulate God or give him our best ideas or take over. What we actually want most is to surrender to the King of Kings. We belong on our knees when he's in the room. You were created for this. Your heart is wired to surrender. Your heart is, is wired to worship, to trust, to follow on a path that you don't know the end. You're actually built for this kind of adventure. And so Lord, right now, I would just ask Holy Spirit that you would do whatever you want. Or that we would yield, we invite you, Jesus, to come and Bring your spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. I see some of you getting um, a breakthrough in a moment that you've been ten contending for for years. It's like you haven't been able to get this thing to click. And I hear the Lord saying, you get it through surrender. Stop trying to fix it and just give up. You know, we don't quit in the gospel. We continue to contend for the faith, but we do give up it to the King of Kings. We do surrender to the King of Kings. We yield in a reality that says, I cannot fix this. God, I don't, we don't actually know what we need. We're actually not convinced more money would help. submit everything to you, God. I thank you that addiction is breaking in this room this morning in Jesus' name. I thank you that discouragement is breaking off of people right now. That shame is not welcome here. Kick it out the door. You know, there's this, there's this interesting reality that we're nothing without him, but you are exactly who he wants. We have this concept, it's like, without God, I am absolutely nothing, but he is seeking after that absolutely nothing. And he's made you new. 
So we thank you for the blood that washes clean, Lord. All shame, we just thank you, Lord, that it's not welcome here, that it is kicked out, God. All condemnation's got to go. And Father, where we have sought after this world, that we've sought after your kingdom with our own uh, selfish motivation, God, assumingly unintentionally, Father, we just repent from that right now in this moment. We repent from it, and Lord, we say, let your kingdom come and your will be done in the way that you want it done. We submit to what it is that you're doing here on this earth, Lord. We submit to what you are doing on this earth, God. We say yes to that, whatever it looks like, because we know that it's good and that it's perfect. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to close the service, but I want to just invite you just to stay here and and continue to rest in his presence. For those um, that are wanting to take off, please take the conversation outside of the sanctuary just to allow the Lord to continue to minister to people in this room. Uh, I really believe that this is just one of those those hilltop experiences where the Lord wants to just come and meet with you face to face. So as much as possible, just get rid of any distraction in your mind. Get rid of all the unworthiness. There's no use for that when we're approaching the I just want to encourage you, invite you in to hearing what your father says about you. Not hearing about what your past mistake says about you or what your lowest point of failure says about you, but what does the father say over your life? He says that you're accepted in the beloved. That you are worthy because of what he has done, not by anything that you can do on your own. That greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That you are the head and not the tail. That you're above and not beneath. That no situation or circumstance is too big for him to take care of. If you're wanting ministry at all, ministry team, if you would please come forward. If you're new here, please visit the bridge right outside the doors to the right when you leave. But I just really want to ask that you would please just honor people in this room and, and the experience that they're having with the Lord right now and take the conversation out of these doors. We don't want to interrupt what it is that the Lord's doing. Have a great week. You are blessed. Thanks for listening. We hope you were impacted by this message. For more information about The Well Grand Rapids, please visit our website at www.thewellgr.com.